Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Good morning, my friends. It's good to see you and good to see your names. We are, as we've been talking about, in the middle of Advent. It's the third week, and Advent is about waiting. And I don't know about you, but this year more than ever before, I am acutely aware that I am waiting. I'm waiting for my kids to be able to go back to school so they can learn in the classroom with their friends instead of in the living room. I'm waiting to see all of you again in person, not just on a screen. I'm waiting to hug someone outside of my family. I'm waiting now for everyone or enough people to have the vaccine. And I'm waiting for one day to say goodbye to all of my face masks. I think it's going to be a while. But anyways, life, right? It's not as we once knew it. We're all in this time of waiting. And we might say that we are in a season of exile. Well, I bring that up because the ancient Israelites were in a season of exile 600 years before Jesus was born. And similar to us, life as they once knew it, it came to an end, not because of a pandemic, but because they were conquered by the Babylonians. And so they shipped them off to Babylon for some 70 years. That's where they were. And in the reading that we're going to hear in just a moment, the exile is over. They're heading back to their land, the land that had been destroyed, and they're ready to rebuild. So we're going to hear Isaiah chapter 61, but first let's pray. God, we pray that as we now turn to the scripture, that we might hear you speaking into our lives, speaking for us a word of hope and encouragement, direction, redirection. Lord, help us hear you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, Isaiah 61 is appearing on your screen here in Isaiah chapter 61. The prophet is speaking a word of hope. And so as we read, I want to invite us to listen for the particular groups of people that are mentioned in this passage. Here we go. He writes, the spirit of the Lord is is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if any of this sounds a little bit familiar, it's because 600 years later, Jesus would quote these words about himself in Luke chapter 4. 
Jesus and Isaiah, they mention groups of people to whom good news was coming. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, the ones who were mourning. To these who in the world are often overlooked, ignored, to these comes a word of promise that they had not been forgotten by God. The Bible speaks a word from God that God is not deaf to cries for justice. It proclaims to us a God who is attentive, who hears and responds to our human suffering with compassion. And this is what I want to focus on today, God's compassion, because I really believe that in our world, especially today, we need people who meditate on this God, who see themselves as made in the image of this God, and who desire to extend this kind of compassion and love to one another. So let's go through it. Isaiah, he begins by mentioning the poor. As we have learned, the economic impact of the pandemic has had a tremendous impact, especially on lower income Americans. We have a picture here of Marsha and Pren at the Westminster Free Clinic. Oops, I forgot to ask your permission. <laughs> it's okay if I show this. Hopefully that's okay. But here they were a few weeks back at the Westminster Free Clinic in Thousand Oaks, where Lightshine has been helping with the food distribution there every week since August. When we started, there were some 400 people coming every week, and now there are 700, 700, excuse me, not people, families, 700 families coming now every week for lentils, for beans, for rice, for produce, and much more. It's been really wonderful to be able to have something concrete that we can do each week to help. Well, a lesson on casualty of the pandemic is that child marriage for young girls worldwide is way up. Due to the pandemic, some 13 million young girls are at risk that weren't before. We have a picture here that um, my husband Jeff took a few years back when it was easy to get on airplanes and travel. Remember those days? Yeah, well, anyways, here he is, um, here he was in Northern Kenya. And this is a family. The mother's name is Elizabeth. And this is a family that is like many others. They're very poor. And in their community in Northern Kenya, the practices of child marriage and FGM are cultural practices um, that are now outlawed since 2001, they have been illegal, but they're still going on. And children like this little girl in the pink dress sitting on her mother's lap, they are at risk of being married off. Some as young as ages nine and 10. Married off often to men who are much older than them. And worldwide, there's been improvement in lessening the prevalence of child marriage, but the pandemic has been a major setback. And one of the reasons is because these families are hungry. They need the money that they get from the bride price in order to put food on the table. And this year, as I've been learning about this in particular, I've been thinking, I'm a girl. <laughs> this could be me. I just happen to be born here. 
these little girls, they need protection and their families need food. Well, Isaiah speaks of the brokenhearted and those who mourn. Right now in the U.S., we know almost 300,000 people have died of COVID-related causes. How many more people are grieving all those people who've died? It's far too many to count. Isaiah mentions those in prison. Part of the racial reckoning in our country has included a This is in our prison system. Not only does the U.S. have a high highest incarceration rate in the world, but our prisons are filled with a disproportionate number of people of color. So I mention all this just to say that, as we know, in Isaiah's time and in our own, there is no shortage of injustice. The work of justice is far from over. And in this passage, Isaiah proclaims good news to all these people in despair, a word of hope. Hope is coming. But biblical scholars tell us that in this passage, these words of Isaiah, they were not intended to be just heard as a word of hope about what was one day to come. They were also very specific directions to the people of God for how they were to build because remember, Isaiah's audience, these were people who just come back from exile. They were going to rebuild Jerusalem. And these words were their blueprint for the reconstruction projects. Isaiah was telling them, God cares about justice. And God cares about the poor and the marginalized. Therefore, as you rebuild Make sure you reflect what God cares about. And they were listening, I'm sure, because the Israelites understood their exile in Babylon as to has, have happened because it was a punishment for their sins. They had not cared about the poor. And rebuilding was now their chance to get it right. You know, all the prophets had harsh words against the wealthy and those who did not care for the poor, who hoarded what they had, who didn't share, and who ignored the cries of the poor, who didn't care about justice. And quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, as a person of privilege, it's really hard for me to read these scriptures that speak judgment against the wealthy. I was born into privilege and I will die in privilege. I'm an American. I have light colored skin, which means people generally assume positive things about me. I've never been hungry. And my family has never wanted for any of our most basic needs. And at times, honestly, I have felt ashamed about my privilege. But here's what I've learned. It's not that God loves people with privilege any less. It's that God has a particular care, a particular concern, a particular compassion for those whose suffering in this life is great. And it's God's intention for us to help each other, to seek a more just, a more fair, a better world together for everyone. I'll never forget hearing a story that was told to me years ago by one of my son's soccer friends. 
This kid, along with his younger sister and his parents, they had moved to our area from Denmark. And when they first got to the U.S., they got off the plane, LAX, um, this little guy, he told me the story about how they left the airport and they went to get some lunch. And they found a place outside near the beach, Santa Monica somewhere, got their food, sat down, and noticed that the younger sister, who was about nine at this time, she started to cry. And she was crying because she noticed someone who was obviously homeless. She had never seen a homeless person before. And she was so sad to see someone who was clearly living outside on the streets. This little girl, she had a visceral reaction to what she saw, so much so that she couldn't eat her sandwich. And she was moved by her compassion. Passion means to suffer, come means with. And the root of this word has to do with the belly. It's like feeling so deeply about something that you've been punched in the stomach. That's how this little girl felt when she saw this person experiencing homelessness. The story, because to me, this is what it looks like to embody God's compassion. It's like you've been hit in the stomach hard about something that you see or hear that to you, you just know isn't right. Things that are clearly an injustice. In Isaiah's words and in the life of Jesus, we are reminded that God has a visceral reaction to injustice. And we're created in the image of this God, called to use our lives to make things right. So it's Advent. We are journeying to Bethlehem, where we will soon celebrate the ultimate expression of God's love and compassion for us lying in that manger. And so to help us get ready, I want to share something that a spiritual director friend of mine introduced me to many years ago that I've been doing every year that helps me bring myself, my whole self to the Christ child. So this is what I do. At the beginning of December, I sit down with my journal and I get out one of my nativity sets. Something like this. And I think about all these characters, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, shepherds, angels, wise men, the star, the animals. And I think about which character I relate most to this year, which one kind of grabs my attention. I think about what's happening in my life, what's taking up my time, what I'm focused on, what I'm thinking about, what I'm feeling. And I invite these characters to help me walk around my internal landscape. So the idea here of this practice is to invite your imagination. And so you can think about the characters in any way you want. You don't have to worry about getting it right, so to speak. Um, some years I've related to the wise men feeling very far away, like I haven't yet arrived here to a space of um, really even focusing on Christmas. So 
Some years I have related to the shepherds feeling very busy, preoccupied with my sheep or whatever. Um, other years it's been Joseph who had a lot of questions. Other years I've sat with the angels really thinking deeply about their words, don't fear. The idea here is to invite the Holy Spirit to help you reflect and to reflect on your life and to extend compassion to yourself as you consider God's compassion for you. Sometimes that's the hardest part is receiving the compassion, the love, the mercy of God for you. And the hope is to meditate on the gift of the Christ child and what his birth particularly means for you in this year. God calls us to be people of compassion, but what we offer to others comes out of what we have first experienced with God, God's compassion for us. Which is why I mentioned this practice of sitting with yourself and the gift of the Christ child to kind of meditate there because that's the place where we begin. It's a season of gift giving and wouldn't it be great if we all could extend the gift of compassion to each other? I think we need it to give someone a break, to let them off the hook the next time they annoy you, rub you the wrong way. Whether this person is someone in your family, someone you read about, hear on TV, see on the street corner. I couldn't believe it, but I had this experience just yesterday afternoon after I'd already written this sermon. <laughs> I was somebody outside of my family and it took me honestly a long time to try to figure out where that other person was coming from. God eventually helped me get there. And it was helpful to remember that really none of us are at our best right now, right? <laughs> I'm not. Um, I used to work with someone who said some people are EGRs, extra grace required. And I think that's all of us right now. We all need extra grace. Well, Isaiah reminds us that God is moved by what happens here in this life, in this world, to you. To the people in prison who shouldn't be there, to all the people who've lost their jobs, the people who are sick, people who died, people grieving a loved one, to those little girls in Kenya. I want to share a word of hope about some of these girls. Here's another picture of Jeff in Northern Kenya. Jeff works uh, at World Vision, and right now he's spending about 25% of his time specifically working on this issue of the uptick in child marriage and FGM due to COVID. So here's the thing, in the areas where World Vision is working, there has been none of this. Um, people are not hungry. The cultural practices have changed. Little girls are going to school, they're not being cut, they're not being married off. And so World Vision is trying to move into these other communities where these harmful, illegal practices are ongoing. So this is a picture of Jeff a few years back, a few less wrinkles, um, with a little girl named Chip Kirker. And in this picture, she's, I don't know, about 14 or so. And you can see that she's wearing a, her school outfit. She was not a child bride. Her family and her community 
they received support. They had an income of some kind. They had food on the table. They were educated about the harm of FGM and early marriage. And Chip Kirker's right to a childhood, her right to an education, it was protected. Now there's a whole lot to this. I'm just briefly highlighting it. So if you wanna learn more, you can talk to Jeff. Um, but I share this with you because the work of World Vision is tremendously encouraging and hopeful. It's the work of justice in our world. And it reminds us that we humans have the capacity for so much good, especially when we do it together. You and I, we can be the answer to the prayers that other people are praying. This is what it means to say we are the body of Christ, his hands, his feet, his heart. So as we continue journeying toward Bethlehem, let's take some time to really reflect on God's great love and compassion personally for us, for you and for me and for everyone, but especially for those whom Jesus called the least of these. And let's pray, let's pray for our hearts to be illumined with God's love and God's compassion. In my own experience, it is through prayer and it's through God helping us extend that compassion, extend that grace, extend that heart, the heart of God to one another. May it be so. Amen.